If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 322 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Oberyn Martel of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a fairly action-packed weekend in the world of mixed martial arts, uh, from Bellator and Irish MMA and UFC and everything like that, and a big weekend upcoming as well, so we're going to break down all of that uh it's also the second of the month here as i record it so if you're not signed up to patreon yet now is a great time we'll have lots of stuff coming up myself and ian have a chasing pack episode uh coming out tomorrow um i have the rewatch Poirier versus duffy already in the books we'll have loads of more stuff so patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast it's a great time to sign up you get the whole month for the price of a point so it's perfect and also attention listeners because uh, everyone across the galaxy, from Australia to Houston, do you have a do you have a pube problem? Uh, if so, your friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation brand new lawnmower po- 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbit in your pants <laughs> will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million million worldwide who trust worldwide even who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma i was just away for the week in there uh so i had my uh, my manscaped out before i i got away so i was absolutely ideal and you can get ready too for an out of this world experience you just look no further than that performance package 4.0 it's brand new it's just taken off not only from the USA and Canada, but also in the UK, Ireland, Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Uh, inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0, the Weird Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, which I use all the time, is absolutely fantastic, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner. The boxer briefs, the travel bag, the whole, the whole lot of it. Absolutely fantastic. I was only, I had mine out this morning. So, uh, first schedule for liftoff, new Laura 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your balls, body, butt, and even Uranus. <laughs> oh, wow, well, there you go. Uh, the fourth generation trimmer also features the cutting edge ceramic blade. Everyone knows about that. It reduces the incidence because of skin safe technology. Uh, 7,000 RPM motor on and off switch uh, for the uh, for the light. And now you have the uh, travel lock as well. And it's waterproof. Uh, the 4.0 is the 4,000K LED spotlight, which I mentioned. And you can turn that on and off. Uh, it also 
also includes the weed whacker if you have if you're a little astronaut uh, <laughs> needs to, ch- to chop the worst weeds on your nose and ears uh, the weed whacker is also waterproof and uses the 9000 rpm motored 360 degree dual blade system the nose and ear hair trimmer provides pro this word i can never say it's proprietary skin safe technology i'm gonna get that right one week uh, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Don't forget to use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver, also uh, for your little planets on their a- to keep them on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts, the boxers and the shed travel bag. A Bart Hairy Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with, <laughs> with Manscaped. So get 20% off with the code SevereMMANscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping as well. Don't forget that. Uh, with the code SevereMMANscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Right, Graham, uh, a big weekend in, in the world of mixed martial arts. It feels, I was on the beer for the first time and like what feels like about 10 years. So it also feels like about a week since these fights happened. But still and all, it was... Uh, it was a pretty mad weekend of fights, and we will run through some of the fights and some of the big ones uh, in a while. But I'm, I want to start this off by talking about Bellator. And I tweeted after the fight at the weekend, and I saw a few people kind of saying the same thing after I was saying it. That it was a bit of a coming of age for Bellator. And I suppose that's an easy thing to say, though, you know, the, the phrase coming of age. But I think it was like a literal coming of age for Bellator. Because we, I remember talking, I think it was three years ago at this stage. Um, when I was putting the the awards together for Severe MMA, and I was looking at the like the the breakthrough prospects, and I remember maybe it was two years ago actually, but we, I think probably both actually two and three years ago, uh, and I remember looking at them and thinking, everyone here is either uh, a UFC star, say someone like maybe an Adesanya would have been in it at that time, like a UFC standout almost fighting for a title. Are in Bellator, and like I think out of maybe ten, seven were in Bellator or something like that. It's Bellator have done a fantastic job of paying young talent early to get them to come to the promotion, and it's starting to pay off. Like AJ McKee is one of these guys where we, you know, we talk him a lot of time, and a lot of people for a long time have said the best talent in the world is all in the UFC. They will find their way. They will make their way to the UFC. That is no longer true, and especially with someone like AJ McKee. This guy, you know, if you're someone who just watches the UFC or maybe tunes in for a bit of cage wires and doesn't really have an interest in in Bellator, this guy is like the next level of fighting. This guy is the, uh, you know, is the next John Jones, the next McGregor, the next Habib, the next GSP. He is... A fantastic fight. I remember tweeting about it like two years ago, thinking, you know, and, and someone tweeted at me during the weekend, kind of in, in a joking way, like Rory McDonald walked so AJ McKee could run. You know, we talk about the next level of MMA fighters who started off as MMA fighters. His father, you know, is still fighting, only fought not too long ago. Uh, Antonio McKee was a, a very good fighter, but AJ McKee. He is just the next level. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, a fly Mayweather with the the father and his uncle and everything. Now, uh, I'm putting a lot on him there with fly Mayweather, John Jones, and Javib and everyone. But, and you know, a, a bad next turn or, uh, you know, if he gets too cocky or if he gets something uh, and it, all, it could all go awry in one fight, that's the way MMA is. But at the moment, with his skill set and his ability... 
it looks like what Bellator have done is really paying off. And I suppose before we get into the fight itself and everything like that, what do you think of that, Graham? It, like we, I know we've spoken about a lot, and it's, it's almost easier for us to see it even because all, apart from, you know, the... Uh, well, let, let's put it this way, all of the SBG up-and-coming Irish fighters, which is the biggest gym in Ireland, have been signed for Bellator over the last while. So we've seen it very much firsthand. But they're doing it in America, and they're doing it elsewhere as well. And it's, it's starting to pay off for them, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Like, I think, you know, that they've taken a, the right route. They haven't... We've seen in the past people like Trump come in with uh, trying to pay through the roof to try and get these guys out of the UFC, even if they're a bit, you know, over the hill or, you know, trying to get, you know, the likes of Orlovsky and, and Tim Sylvia on these huge deals. And then it's not sustainable. But, but Bellator is, you know, Bellator are in it for the long haul. They've shown that, like, like I don't know how many years I've been watching Bellator, but... I've been watching Bellator a lot of years, ever since it, ever since it began, and they've never made like a, a move to to sign somebody where you're like, oh, I don't know if that makes sense. You know, that's 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 too big of a risk. Where you see other promotions do that all the time and try to challenge the UFC and kind of, uh, kind of you know, uh, blow blow themselves out early. Um, and Bellator, obviously, you know, they built up guys like even like Pitbull, the guy who's who's ended up losing here, uh, is obviously. You know, one of their biggest, most successful uh, fighters that they've ever had, and their promotion has been there with his brother a long time. Uh, grown up in 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 the in Bellator to some extent. You know, obviously he was signed from from elsewhere, but uh, now now as you said, it's kind of like the AJ McKee wave coming in now, and you know, uh, we'll obviously talk about the performance now. But I think you know, uh, as good as as particular Pitbull is, I think you know uh, the next generation like the AJ McKee who's like he's up there leading you know i can't think of a i can't think of a better prospect really like you know in in any weight division than the aj mckee and when somebody who i'd like to see against you know i'd like to see him against so many different fighters and uh you know this fight against people i was really looking forward to it it seemed like it had real jeopardy it seemed like it had like real like you know potential to to be like a watershed moment as you kind of touched on yeah and it it, it was that you know aj mckee came out looked so smooth and comfortable in, in such a big spot for him you know obviously he's 17 and 0 going into that and he's he's fought a lot of fights but uh you know he's 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 been in a couple of big moments you know like the the main event in dublin uh what was it the main event or it, it, it was uh, one of those it, weird uh bad main uh, event was halfway cards. through the card or whatever yeah and it was he came, overcame a bit of adversity a bit of a big crowd big crowd against him as well and you know um that probably stood him well and in, in uh stood to him well in this fight as well but you know this was a very big moment and if you had a if you had have looked at you know who who was the kind of young up-and-coming guy you, you wouldn't have, if you didn't know who either guy was you wouldn't have known like he didn't look out of place at all and terms of like you know uh nerves or anything and then in terms of obviously the fight he looked phenomenal uh yeah. you know he he beat pitbull everywhere so you you, you know obviously just, uh, we can talk about just the, the very end of the fight the technical submission just, yeah, in a minute just, but just either way before we get into that i like i'm just looking at the awards here from 2019 or the, the nominations and we have Fabian Edwards, right, who is, okay, he's had a couple of losses, but he's fought in uh, probably a couple of contender fights now at this stage, and he's right up there. Adam Barrocks as well, okay, he's had one loss, but he's a very, very good fighter. 
James Gallagher is, looks like he's headlining again. How many times has he headlined? AJ McKee is here. Apache Mix. You know, he okay, he's had a loss as well, but he's bounced back from it. And he's going to be fighting James Gallagher in the main event. Norbert Navinny, to me, another one of the best in the world. So there's a lot, like, and that's from three years ago. And that's the work that is kind of paying off, I think, for Bellator, where we see a lot with the UFC as well. And, and the thing about Bellator is as well, you know, we criticise Bellator a lot down through the years for the different ways they do things. But I feel like for these young prospects, they're matching them well and they're giving them experience and they're bringing them to, near, to where they need to be. Um, whereas Sid likes to do UFC when they sign, you know, someone like a Mason Jones or a Jai Herbert or someone like that. They're just kind of throwing them to the wolves, and it's been—it's a very hard way of doing it. Whereas Bellator, I suppose, make it maybe because some of the like the lower level talent in Bellator is a lot lower than the lower level talent in the UFC, if you get me. Uh, so maybe it's easier to do it there. But I feel like sometimes with Bellator, like the, the perfect thing to do if you're a fighter, almost is go to Bellator, sign for six fights, and then go to the UFC. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way to do it. But it's still the the money they're paying and everything like that. But that. That money is is paying off in terms of the amount of talent they have. Now, is it paying off in the amount of money they're drawn from that talent? We'll wait and see. But um, if you want that level of talent and that very good talent, that is a good way to do it. Like, as you said, you know, the Trump and stuff, and even a bit of Bellator, they were trying to do that even at the start of the co-career, you know, signing Vincent Henderson and uh, Matt Mitrion and other people like that. Yeah, it's and good for them that it didn't really work out. You yeah. know what I mean? It didn't... Blessing it in didn't, disguise. Yeah, exactly. You know, they didn't they they didn't get one guy in, and they're all of a sudden doing these huge numbers, and they're like, "Oh, let's get a bunch of these kind of, you know, washed up veterans in." And you know, the way the the way TV's going, the way the way sport uh, on TV is basically becoming the own like live sport is the only thing that people really, you know, go out of their way to or in their in their masses to to watch live or to watch TV for you know is live sports. So Bellator, obviously, you know. Are pretty established now. They have a big roster. They have like you know some very exciting fighters. They have a consistent spot on TV. People like maybe even if they're not into MMA, they they, they probably know the name Bellator at this stage because it's been around so long. And um, you know, uh, going forward, you know, it could be it, it could keep going the way it is. It looks like it will keep going the way it is, where live sports become even more valuable. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe they can you know once they're there's. Yeah, and even if you like, I, I follow a lot of obviously the the wrestling and listen to Dave Meltzer's podcast and things, and and the, uh, keep an eye on the, the ratings a lot for maybe WWE and and AEW more than this. But if you look at that example of say an AEW, which is the second, I know a lot of people have no interest in wrestling, but I'm talking about TV ratings here more than anything else, uh, and that's you know where they get a lot of their money. They have, their ratings have absolutely taken off, and they've done it with mostly in in the top. Uh, uh, spots their own new talent you know and okay they have some older WWE talent and stuff like that but um, it it they kind of proved I know it's a very different thing but it's a, a different thing but it's looking at people's uh, wants and needs and why they will tune in for something and if Bellator can produce fighters that people want to see and care about they'll produce high ratings and they produce more money so if this for the f- maybe the first time ever this Bellator event, and maybe because I switched over, I, I was inside bed, and I was watching this Hall versus Strickland card, and there was no one at it, and it was really, uh, it was really kind of silent, and someone, uh, someone actually tweeted at me as well, it was a perfect night with Sean Strickland in the main event, and like, Sean Strickland's a good fighter, don't get me wrong, but like, not a big name, and he won and beat someone who is kind of a name, and then you go over to Bellator, 
and there's like whatever 15,000 people in the stands and it you have the big walkouts and you have them f- you know when you, you know when a fight is big when they're being followed from the bowels of the arena you know and they're coming out and you can see everything behind the, the scenes and you know all of that and you can see um AJ McKee being handed the money and it just felt it had that big fight feel you know the old school boxing fights or the big UFC fights and big McGregor fight or something like that it had that feel no it wasn't as big as all of them but it did they did a great job of that, I felt like. And I felt like, as well, they really took advantage, maybe not even knowingly, but they had the advantage over the UFC in a huge way uh, on Saturday night. And, you know, myself and Ian, oh, actually, the chasing pack hasn't come out yet, but it's, it's out during the week. But we were kind of half discussing that. And I think myself and you, or maybe even the Q&A, I was discussing last week, um, that putting it on a Saturday night mightn't have been the best idea with the UFC and just with, with a bit of a clash. But it turns out it didn't clash. And it or look like a bigger deal which is very very much a win-win for Bellator um so before we we, we start talking about the fight I think it was a great night and, and a great weekend all in all for uh, for Bellator uh, so on the uh, on the fight itself um look <laughs> it didn't last long what am I looking at it here uh it actually doesn't say it on topology but uh I, I what did it last like a minute or something like that um Pitbull came out, landed that, or sorry, um, McKee came out, landed that big head kick. Like all week, I think I, it was one fifty-seven. Was it one? Was it that much? Jesus. So all week, I was kind of thinking McKee because I really do believe in his skill set. Uh, but then I was just like thinking about Pitbull and the way he comes out and he just kind of walks people down and he lands those big shots. I'm like, it really only takes one of those, <laughs> you know. Um, and he's really good at fighting people who are longer and bigger than him. But McKee didn't really give him the chance. I thought, uh, was it more? kind of said it at the very start of the commentary that he was taking the center and he was kind of bossing that area and when he did that and he was able to kind of land from far out uh, it, it, it wasn't that I was saying oh it's curtains for, for Pitbull earlier or anything but it was a bad sign I think and that head kick was, was unbelievable uh, Big John kept saying oh he made a mistake but watching it back it was like you know sometimes fighters are better off taking that half a second sussing out what's actually happened and then attacking rather than just jumping in he could have got caught you know in his full guard or something like that it actually would have been worse so I'm not sure if it was that much I don't, think he, I don't think he was sussing it I think he he did try to celebrate okay. yeah, yeah but I think he grand. started to celebrate and then people kind of try to stand up and basically into a, into a choke yeah, and he he did choke. What, what did you think of the finish? Like to to me, it was just he got him in a choke. He choked him. His hand went limp, and the ref stopped it and it was not wrong. What did you think? Oh, like his hand looked like it went limp for a second, but it wasn't like definitive. You know, uh, I would uh, ideally would have given it a couple more seconds, but I I think you know, it looked like it probably his, his hand went limp, but uh, you know, uh, another second or two, and we would have been sure. Uh, yeah, uh, to me, look, I uh, it was one of those ones where, right, he was badly hurt. And you, from a referee's point of view, you have to look at it in... If it's damaged, like punches and stuff, yeah. or like uh, a choke an air t- or a blood choke, is, no, I, but know, like, I think you can if, leave it a couple more seconds. And okay, yeah, fair enough. But like, if, you're, if you're already hurt and, and you're stuck in that submission um, and th- th- your arm goes limp, 
you're not giving the ref much of a choice. And also, and I, I hate doing this, but when you look at Pitbull's face right after the referee stopped him, he had no complaints. Like, he had none. He complained, like, uh, 45 seconds later with his brother and stuff at the, at the end of the cage with them Pitbulls having all uh, an all affinity with doing. But he wasn't complaining directly afterwards. Like, I think he knew. And, uh, like, I, I don't see... I didn't see much wrong with it. The arm definitely went limp. I know people say... If you say his arm went limp and it started moving two seconds later, then you agree that it should have been stopped, you know? If you... Okay, if you say it didn't go limp at all, fair enough. Maybe that's your argument. I, I would disagree with that. But if that's your argument, fair enough. But if you think it did go limp, then that fight is... There's no problem stopping that fight at that stage. You can't criticise the ref. But I, I, there was another angle from the other side and it looked like his other arm went limp as well. So I, I really think it's a good stoppage, to be honest. I can't... I couldn't criticise it all. And I know you said give it an extra few seconds. But, like, he's already hurt. How much time do you want to give him? I think he was in that choke for a good bit and... You know, like, when a choke is going like that and the fighter's arms go like that, you know what's happened. Like, what what are you waiting for at that stage? Like, there's a very, very small window between good stoppage and bad stoppage and, ba- and bad stoppage either way. And I feel like he got it just right in the middle. What, what would you have liked to see? Do you think he just deserved another few seconds or what would uh, what was your take on it? Well, I, I think it wasn't definitive that he was definitely gone limp. You know, I think he uh, percent out but he probably still had a few senses there. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's possible he could have survived it, but very unlikely. So I don't think there'd be too many, too many complaints, but like obviously the people, what they're going to complain is actually makes sense to complain because you actually improve your chances of a rematch. Yeah. If you, uh, an immediate rematch, if you, if you complain, but for AJ McKee, obviously it's a, it's a brilliant performance. You know, he, he win a lot of money and a title and kind of fulfill what, what he always wanted. Uh, so obviously it's, it's a big moment and he thought he, he, you know, when you land a clean shot, he maybe like a lot of guys would have been, would have been finished by that. But, you know, AJ's got to, you know, in the future, make hundred percent sure that the, the fight's over before he celebrates, even, even if he got away with it this time. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good way to have that lesson learned in, in winning like a, a million dollars and a, a title. Yeah, indeed. I, I like. I think if we're talking about rematch, <laughs> Pitbull is the champion at the weight up. You know, AJ is AJ is a big guy for the hundred and forty-five pound title. Um, maybe AJ will go for the hundred and fifty-five pound title next. Go up and challenge him there. I think that'll probably be the smart move to make. Although I lo- I, I don't like kind of guys moving up and down as much, uh, especially when you just won the title. But when it's a champ, champ, and you just beat him. I think it's a smart move. Would you like to see him fight again at 155? Yeah, I, I, I think I would. Like, uh, usually I probably wouldn't, but I think in this in this case, I think you know Pitbull's obviously been at the top of the Bellator for a long time, and Mickey's coming up and uh, kind of taking the crown. So uh, it does kind of make sense to, to give the lo- the long-standing champion uh, uh, a rematch. But you know, it was a very one-sided one-sided bout you know people didn't really get anything off he didn't really get a chance um aj just ran over him so um you know you might you might want to kind of establish aj mckee as the as a champion there but i think uh, you know people's one of their best one of their biggest if not their biggest uh name that they could they could put aj against and he'll probably do the biggest numbers and I think that's probably the the logical thing to do next. But, yeah. um, you know, I think I kind of agree with you, especially when he's a young guy, just become champion. You don't want him jumping, jumping weights all over the place. Uh, 
but you know, there's only uh, the de- the strength of depth on the roster isn't isn't what it is in the UFC. So there isn't that many options that come to mind. Yeah, like I when I look at it, I think it's a little bit like uh, Cyborg versus Nunes. It's like okay, it was a kind of a one round trashing in a way, but I also really wanted to see that rematch just because it was like the two biggest you know female stars in the UFC and probably the two biggest male stars you know in in Bellator you know Cyborg is probably maybe above even both of them funnily enough uh, as we mentioned it or maybe in between uh, depending on how where AJ goes from this but yeah it it feels like it was one of those ones like uh, I'll mention wrestling again but where the the star puts the young up and comer over you know and he is the star now but if they did it a second time it might even be more that uh, more of that and you know if he doesn't if people was to go in and win you have the trilogy so it's a uh, pretty fight as well as as you love to say recently Graham so it's uh, I think they need to make the uh, the rematch and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see where we go from there but without a shadow of a doubt uh, it's a it's a big one for Bellator uh, so the rest of the card then after that Mads Burnell against Emmanuel Sanchez in a very very close fight um, I tweeted at the weekend it was one of those where all three rounds you could nearly argue for either lads and all three rounds are like oddly close in a weird way like there was a couple of rounds where Mads Burnell had a lot of time on top but also landed some shots, but Sanchez landed some as well. And the fir- that first round was a weird round, because I was listening, who was I listening to? I think Dave Meltzer talking about it, and he was like, Sanchez definitely won it. And I'm like, well, did he? Like, a lot of those shots, like, I, I was looking at the-, the stats at the end of the round, and they're like, Sanchez had landed 47 of 130 thrown or something. I was like, there is no way he landed that many shots. A lot of those shots were missing. Uh, and I actually think Burnell's shots were harder than his. Now, I, I still scored it for Sanchez, because he landed some hard shots the as first well, two the, the first two for yeah. sanchez i thought the first was definitely for sanchez the second was the the kind of disputed round and then the third was Bernal. so it's a close round you know uh i don't uh, you know i think 29 28 either way i think maybe because the 30 27s from the two judges maybe made people a bit more a bit more passionate about the, i can the see results. a 30 27 there though honestly like a 30 27 is one of those cards that fucking judges hate because it could be 30 27 the other way nearly well maybe not but it could be 29 28 the other way and yeah. it's like i think the first was i think the first was sanchez down now i gave it to him but i thought it was extremely close like if you go back and watch that again and go through with a fine tooth comb punch for punch and i didn't but i watched it very closely at the time because i kind of had an idea <laughs> the way it started that it could be one of those very close rounds very close fights even it turned out to be that so i was watching it very closely and i i just think sanchez he didn't land enough to make it a hundred percent 10-9 you know i i thought he landed enough to win it and i gave it to him on my card but my card isn't sitting there cage side either and i like that's what the judges are doing they're sitting there with a fine two go and watching and we won't get into another judging podcast again because we could be gone all week but it was a really close one i i I, look if you're asking me my opinion i think sanchez won it but Burnell winning, look, Burnell winning is probably better for the promotion, it's probably better for everyone, that's a shitty thing to say for Sanchez, because he's a very good fighter, but a bit of, a bit of new life again, you know, Burnell, we've talked about him for a long time, because of, you know, the connection in cage wires, and obviously getting out of the UFC, and uh, Paul Hughes, Ireland's on, Paul Hughes was on about fighting him for a while, and that didn't materialise, and, and everything like that, so, um, it's, Matt Burnell's a very good fighter, and you know, if he, him versus AJ McKee is a fight I would 
love to see, especially if it went to the ground. Imagine that in the ground. It'd be unbelievable. But, um, yeah, we, we will see what happens uh, happens with that. But what a fight, though. Forget about the judging for a second. That first round, especially. That was one of the rounds of the year. It was, sw- you know, switching over from the UFC to that. It was just unbelievable. It was it was, it was was fantastic. So, um, yeah, it was very good. Uh, I didn't catch all of Bellator because, as I was saying, I was watching the UFC and I was gone early on Sunday. Did you... Did you catch uh, the Nurmagomedov and the other Brent Primus against? Um, oh, he lost. Right. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really close uh, first round, but I thought I thought he edged out. I thought he won the second. And I thought he lost the third, but it was one of them where it could have went either way. And you know, uh, you're not surprised when it's a, a split decision. I think it was a split decision. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was one of them that could have went either way. But I thought he at the time I thought he was going to get the nod, but uh, yeah, he left. It was too close for for comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanna lost to Vanessa Porto there as well um, Magomed Sharapov's brother Kassan he won here in his Bellator debut if I'm not mistaken maybe he's had one more but uh, he, he looks a good up and comer as well uh, and then obviously we had the two Irish lads starting off the card on a mixed night uh, for SVG Kiefer Crosby lost to Georgie Katakanyan in a very very tough matchup and I think both of us were talking about it before we were a little bit maybe surprised this, this fight was put together uh, and then Brian Moore beat Jordan Winsky let's talk about, about Kiefer for first and then we'll, we'll get to, to Brian Moore I, look I thought it was a good start from Kiefer similar to his last fight you know a good start and a kind of a it turned very quickly you know he pushed him against the cage I thought he was stronger than Georgie which I was very surprised at but you know how surprised can you be I suppose with someone coming down from 170 fighting someone coming up from 145 but still in all I didn't think there was a great size difference but there was definitely a strength advantage for Kiefer there and he was landing some good shots um, had the back at one stage you know was doing some good work but then he made I thought he made a fatal lower when he was kind of slipping off the back and he pulled Georgie's arm out and you can't mess with someone like Georgie Carhanian like that on the ground uh, if Kiefer had probably had the time again he probably would have either let himself slip off the back come out and got into a clinch or if he was fast enough and it would have been very hard but maybe got back to the feet from that position even pull on that fence and like just get away from Carhanian and kind of start out in the middle again but he decided to you know and, and SPG have talked a lot about that recently you know with the McGregor camp and everything uh, about being more MMA fighters and you know getting into you know not shying away from maybe from different parts of of the sport and uh, Kiefer did that but it turned out badly for him because when he pulled out that arm to take take it away to take that uh, uh, you know that base away from Karakanyan Kiefer ended up being the one who slipped off on the left hand side and Karakanyan ended up on top and from that position you know I thought Kiefer actually did a great job of kind of what do they call it mission control the high uh, high foot guard uh, you could call it right over the head and he was landing some nice shots some nice shots yeah, yeah. very dangerous in that position but once Karakanyan got into uh, that arm triangle position and was able to get across Kiefer you know that was that was night night from that position and he's a, a demon on the ground as we've seen you know fighting Redzer and fighting other people as well uh, a very very good uh, fighter but I thought it was the one error from Kiefer you know I see a lot of people um, talking about making that one error and, and that's the difference in high level MMA when you're fighting someone with what is it 42 fights like Georgie Carcanyan and you've you know that was your you've 10 fights before that that that's that difference of an experience, that difference of maybe four or five additional years in the cage, uh, can tell a lot, and and that was the difference for me. What what did you think of the the fight and overall and Kiefer's performance? 
Yeah, I thought he, as you said, I thought he made a good start. I thought he looked he looked good. He looked uh, he looked like the the aggressor, and uh, I think it all did come down to that to that momentary decision, to, as you said. And obviously, he slipped off and ended up on the bottom, and he he did defend well. Uh, uh, you know, he hung in there and he tr- he tried to kind of tough it out, but I think it was just locked in, and um, you know, maybe he could have. Scooted over towards the cage a little bit. I'm not really sure. I've never been in that position. It's obviously, uh, you know, very uncomfortable and very difficult, and the guy's heavy on top of you. So, uh, obviously, as you said, he's a very experienced guy, and when he did get his opportunity on a mistake, he capitalized. And Caracanian, you know, 42 fights is a, is a lot of experience, a lot of time in the cage, and um, he's obviously, as you said, a very a very good submission guy, a very good grappler. And maybe, you know, that's been kind of key for his weakness over the years, um, especially back in his amateur career. He's looked a lot better recently, but, you know, well, maybe it is better to stay away from, you know, where, where a guy is better. I know you want to be a well-rounded MMA fighter, as you say, kind of go everywhere, but sometimes you're playing into to a, to a guy's friend unnecessarily. And, you know, it would have been interesting to see how the fight went if that didn't happen, but uh, I suppose we'll never know now. It's one of those things where it's kind of... Uh... It's a catch-22 situation because the only way you'll get better in those positions is by being in those positions. But I suppose maybe you don't want to do that in training rather than a fight. But, you know, learning those lessons, making those mistakes. As Kiefer said, you know, he hasn't taken... Look, he, he was in a couple of, of, of tough fights against Josh Plant and his last fight out against Charlie Leary as well. Uh, but, he like, he hasn't taken a load of damage over the years. He's still young enough to the sport as well. Um... And, you know, those are things you need to go through. You know, it's not all plain sailing. It's not all fucking 15 and 0 and getting to the very top, you know, <laughs> quite easily. So, you know, if you look at someone, say, like Aquili, he, I remember we talked about it before, and I, even when I interviewed him and asked him about it, he was like, started off as a striker, then he was very much, when he was fighting out in the UFC Africa, tried out a lot of grappling in a lot of different positions and look what happened in his last fight he got on the bottom and he fucking elbowed a fella <laughs> to, to oblivion and ended up fight, uh, ending the fight from there and maybe like those not necessarily mistakes but those things will stand to you in the future like i'm hard sure learned lessons. hard <laughs> learned lessons indeed and uh mma is a, a sport where hard lessons are learned and uh, you know sometimes we see the guys coming up and they're like oh you know, even like someone like an Ian Gary or a Paul Hughes or something like that, like, lads, you, you know, <laughs> you haven't learned many lessons yet. And, so, and I know Paul Hughes has had the broken hands and he lost the fight as well. Um, But, um, you know, and even the same for, say, James Gallagher, he ended up getting a hard lesson losing as well. MMA, you can't avoid it. And do you know what? Sometimes you're maybe better off getting it uh, at times. But, um, you know, uh, Kiefer, Kiefer seems to be, you know, a hard-nosed guy who will never give up. And as we talked about, and we'll talk about it in the future as well, uh, in, ter- in the, the, the UFC fight, uh, that's that's a good thing to have. So, uh, and uh, you know, he seems to be going out to train now a bit with uh, with James Krause, and that's 100% a great thing, I think, for the likes of him and James Gallagher. So I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what's next for Kiefer. And then on Brian Moore, what a performance. Like, Brian Moore is the guy who's learned those hard ways as well, isn't he? You know, he's had now 21 fights, um, lost, uh, you know, a third of those, but he is you know he's taken those hard knocks he's had those hard decisions hard those hard losses had those hard injuries and you know being there and now he looks like this is the apex of brian moore's career i think this is the time where he needs to get those big fights and he's calling for those big fights 
he needs to be ranked. Like, I, I don't think Bellator understand how good a fighter Brian Moore is. Now, I'm not saying he got in and he'll, you know, win the title or anything like that next week. But he would not shame himself, I think, if he fought a top 10 guy. And I think he'd beat a couple of the top 10 guys. And I don't think he'd shame himself against a few of the top five guys either in that division. He's well, a, we saw him in there against AJ McKee. And, you know, he exactly. was doing very well in that fight until, you know, AJ managed to turn it around in the third round and get a rear naked choke. And like we've seen how, you know, that's the most adversity we've probably ever seen AJ McGee in uh, since. So, you know, I think that that will tell you, like, you know, he's definitely he's definitely uh, ready for, for the top of the division. I think, he's, yeah. you know, obviously the, the guy he's coming in against here, uh, Jordan Winsky, is 11 and 2. He's a pretty experienced guy as well. Like, you know, getting there, like he's not he's not inexperienced anyway. And uh, Brian Moore just picked him apart. Like, I think loads of leg kicks, uh Better boxing, better, just better all around, and just, just kind of had his way with Winsky and just, just looked comfortable in there. And I think you know Brian Moore over the years maybe his uh, his nerves and his uh, uh, being too hard on himself and you know not really enjoying it maybe you know not allowing himself to enjoy it uh, was kind of his problem. But now he seems to kind of really got into into his own skin. And as you said, it's kind of like the the apex of his career now. He, he's He's the best he's ever been, and he's uh, you know, he's only on a three-fight win streak here. But you know, the the loss before that was uh, Noad Lahat, and before that was AJ McKee. So if you look at his record, you might think, uh, you know, you might think uh, he's just another guy. But if you look at his performances recently, and even in the AJ McKee fight and the Noad Lahat fight that he lost, he's he you know he's game, and he'll he'll always bring it, and he's a dangerous opponent for anybody in that division. Yeah, and he seems to like you know you talked about it there. He kind of changed, even maybe personalities a little bit in, in a very very good way but every time you speak to Brian Moore every time he does an interview or he has a fight he always mentions you know his girls at home his daughters and his wife and you know built a new house over the last couple of years and has his gym at home and now was able to train at home and he always speaks about you know I even talked to him during the week and he, we were kind of discussing it the way he has found a way to train solo and that the coronavirus really you know didn't change much for him in terms of his preparation yeah, where he's a lot been doing of people, it for years yeah. like he's literally been doing it for years because otherwise he wouldn't be able you know he he has a family he has a gym he's running he can't be driving hours up and down to, to SVG every day so it's just it's been a necessity that he's had to form a, a kind of program for himself and it looked like you know it seems to be working extremely well like the results of the results have probably been even better since he kind of yeah. went off by himself and just kind of in, in the gym sometimes and on, on his own most of the time. And as well, like, even I asked him about this during the week, because, uh, like, a lot of those lads, like, he was training, you could probably tell anyone more than this, but he was training back in the days, you know, in that small yellow gym with the other SVG lads and everything. But he hasn't... Yeah, the Long Mile Road gym, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he hasn't had that... Uh, he, well, he has had some of the hard, hard sparring and everything like that, but he doesn't have as much of the collisions as the other guys because he's training a lot of times by himself... And Whereas they might have it, you know, five to six days of the week. He might have it two to three days of the week. And that fine balance, I think he found has, it wouldn't work for everyone, I don't think. But it's definitely working for him. And this performance here was, was brilliant. And that first round, you know, he said afterwards he broke his foot in the first round, which makes it even better. But uh, it was one of those, the, the first one was one of those ones where Moore landed four or five big rights and so did Winsky. But I think everything else Moore did outside of that was enough to take the round. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not going to effective aggressiveness here, but I think he landed the more impactful shots when you 
think like it was kind of even with all the biggest impactful shots in the round and you have to give it to Moore for that but I think he adjusted unbelievably well you know he spoke afterwards and he said he he was wasn't maybe happy with the adjustments he made but I thought he did he was kind of getting that head out of the way more and wasn't there for the right hand and to me he took maybe one right hand or two maybe late in the fight but other than that, for 10 minutes, he didn't basically didn't take a punch. You know, he was just dominating the fight. Hurt him with calf kicks. Almost finished Winsky at the start of the second. Landed on top and got a, a load of elbows. And in the third, fair play to Winsky. I thought he was game, you know, coming in in short notice. Uh, threw a lot of shots, but just was landing not in. Brian Moore was just too good defensively. And offensively, he was just kind of picking him off. But, uh, you know, he said afterwards, obviously, about the foot. And his movement was uh, obviously a little bit distracted by that. But he just kind of came through it anyway and look hopefully it isn't uh, it isn't too serious I haven't heard anything about it yet but um, hopefully he'll be back by November and hopefully Ireland will be able to host it in November but uh, uh, just a terrific performance and you know Brian Moore's one of the good guys as well Irish MMA a lot of time gets an awful bad rap with you know <laughs> different fighters and different attitudes of fighters but Brian Moore is he's a good family man he's an, a really nice guy and, and everything like that and uh, you know the, the, the people of Wexford get out, get behind their fighters and get behind their sportsmen and GA teams and everything like that and always have. And uh, I think if Brian Moore was in a big fight, you know, you could see a lot of people travelling over to it or travelling up even from uh, from Wexford to the Tree Arena to watch it. And I, I think he deserves it. I think he has... There is maybe, you know, we saw um, Peter Queeley getting a big fight in uh, in Bellator, obviously, against uh, Patricky. And, we, you know, we've seen the likes of Norman Park get big fights in the UFC and, and KS. W and you know Reds are a Neil Siri getting his go on the UFC I think a lot of people have got what they deserve over the last few years with the hard work they've put in in Irish MMA but Brian Moore I still think he there's more to come from him and there's more that he you know he's worked and not just deserves he's earned it I think um, and I, I uh, you know okay I'm going to be a little bit biased here uh, but I think he, sh- he should get it and I would love to see him getting it um, so yeah fair play to, uh, to Brian and a fantastic performance and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what's going to be next uh, from him and from uh, you know from that bantamweight division because it's a, it's a very good division as well um, let's move over so to the UFC card uh, I haven't seen uh, all of it as I said but it wasn't the best card in the world there was three fantastic knockouts in the middle of it though uh, Cheyenne Boys, Jared Gooden, and my boy Baggy Melsic, uh, Bagasarian, who looks like like a next Team Sheehan member, to be honest. He was that good, coming out, throwing flying kicks and everything like that. The head kick by Cheyenne Boys and the punches. And then she talked about afterwards getting a 50k bonus and it was going to turn her life around and everything like that. And someone sent me the Kiefer Crosby's bone uh, pay and he got 50 grand i think for his fight so we talk about bellator and why bellator are getting some of the better up and coming fighters and that's why you know right away there um but uh you know fair play to her. that jason witt Brian barbarina fight very very close uh chris uh, grutzmacher as well in a close fight there was a draw in the kai kamaka fight uh jinyu frey another decision and another decision for uh adishayev as well and phil Rowe was able to beat Orion Kosky but the main event Sean Strickland versus uh, Uriah Hall I really fancied Uriah Hall coming into this I was kind of shocked that he was the underdog should listen to me yeah I should have listened to you I I don't know I think I see this fight differently to a lot of people even the reaction online after it happened and things I really thought like Uriah Hall was kind kind of trying to weather the storm of Strickland a little bit and was 
trying to he actually did a terrible job of I think being defensively good but I think he was trying to be defensively good for the first two to three rounds but by the time the third round came I think he just taken too many shots and Strickland wasn't going anywhere and I think he realised that oh fuck this game plan has not worked and now I'm screwed it was one of those and it was that wasn't based on Uriah Hall making a mistake in a game plan that was based on Sean Strickland being very very good just basics you know throwing that jab coming forward and he looks so awkward and he just doesn't look like a great fighter but That's he's the thing he's tough. so awkward that he yeah. makes he, he seems to make the opponent just look worse than they, they'd usually look he, he just has a one of those styles that seems to be hard to overcome and uh, as you said by the time you kind of realize that this isn't going well it's too late he's already settled into his his strange rhythm and uh royal hall you know I just can't trust him in, in a in a big fight against a, you know an awkward guy or or a, a good guy you know like Sean Strickland is not just awkward he's very good and he's he's something you kind of have to figure out uh, it seems uh, you know he's beaten some good guys he's never really he's never really had that kind of signature win up until now like you know uh, he, you know he's he, his, his biggest win is probably, you know, Tom Brees. That doesn't look like that big of a win now, but that's the decision win over him. Uh, back at UFC 199 was a big win. And, you know, that's not exactly, you know, a huge win. And Uriah Hall's been in there with some some guys with better wins than that. But I think Sean Strickland, you know, people are going to have to start taking him seriously. Um, he just ha- like he's, he's a tough matchup for anybody, I think. He, I know he's, his style is kind of boring and a lot of his a lot of his fights look like kind of sparring matches but you know he looks to be very hard to deal with you know yeah uh, i don't know who you're gonna who you're gonna put him in there in there with next you know he's not exactly exciting he's not really as you said earlier in the podcast he's not really a known name even though he's been in the ufc for a long time and has a has a you know he has a very good record if you look at his record 24 and 3 that's it that's a extremely good record um so he's lost to Usman, like, you know, by decision, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, everybody's lost to Usman by decision, you know what I mean? And there's only other lost end that I haven't mentioned is, is Ponzinibbio and Zaleski. So, you know, I thought he'd beat, I, I thought he'd beat um, Uriah Hall here and he did probably a little bit more comfortably than, than, uh, than I thought he would. So, uh, you know, he may not be the most exciting guy and he's never probably going to be the most exciting guy and fans are never really going to get behind him and that may stop him getting the, the fights that he deserves. But I think he does deserve a step up into the kind of, you know, yeah, maybe just below the upper echelons. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying stick him in there for a title shot yet, but, you know, he's just come off a big win in a, in a main event against a guy who's actually known because of, you know, his his ridiculous knockout on the, on the ultimate fighter and, and stuff like that. And... You know, a guy who's who's uh, outside of that tough knockout has had some extremely good knockouts as well. So, I think I think this is a very big win. It may not be it may not be a, a marquee name, but I think this is probably the biggest win of his career. And uh, I think, yeah, I think you could put him in there against maybe a uh, Paula Costa, somebody like that. Yeah, I would mind seeing that fight a lot. I like I'm one of those people that kind of I say maybe have underestimated him as well, but. Uh, the, the thing about that middle of that division, I think it's so bad that someone like like someone like Sean Strickland in a lightweight division, would, I think would just get torn apart, like and would would get shown up. But like that's a bit unfair to say as well, because as you say, his style is awkward, and sometimes you could meet five or six lads in a row who have trouble with that awkward style. But I just feel like against someone like a Whitaker or someone like an Adesanya. 
just terrible matchups, I think, for Sean Strickland. Now, he's wrestling and stuff as well, so may- maybe not against Adesanya, as we've seen recently. But, um, yeah, he... You know... Go on. You know, if you look at people like, you know, Gastelum, Darren Till, Hermanson, Brunson, Vittori, you can see him beating all those guys. Cannoneer. I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting Till. I think that'd be an interesting fight. Yeah, like, I could see him winning all those fights. In the Paula Costa fight, I could see him winning as well. I know Adesanya and Whitaker are another story, but, you know, if he gets a couple of wins out of those, those names I mentioned there, like, you know... Who's to say he couldn't go in there and make it very awkward for either Whitaker or Sanya, whoever's the champion at the time? Like, you know, yeah. he may not be glamorous and flashy and have all these highlights, but <clears throat> you don't necessarily need that. You know, uh, if you can, go, like, you know, look at Jan Blahovic, like, he's going to quietly go under the radar, beat guys, maybe not in the upper echelon and develop his skills. And he's an awkward guy to fight. And look where he is now. Yeah, uh, and I actually think yeah I, I agree. I think that Whitaker fight would actually be a fun fight. Now I'd pick Whitaker to win it, but I think him versus Whitaker is as you know a barn burner written all over it. But yeah, a, a great win here and um, you know solid performance. Uriah Hall, I think a bad performance uh, made look bad by someone, but. Do you know what? It was one of those ones I think Uriah Hall will probably take more from than his wins in terms of fans' uh, respect for him because he never stopped. You know, he was fucked in that round five and he was just throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. And I, I think I've always had maybe a little bit more respect for Uriah Hall than most people. I just, I've always kind of liked him and liked his style and things. Uh, or maybe not always, but recently anyway. Um, uh, but I think other people will kind of respect what he he tried to do in that fight late now they might respect his his game plan and what he produced in the cage but uh, he never gave up and you know that's uh that's a big thing in mma and he had a couple uh, of opportunities to give up and maybe he, he did, would have yeah. in the past and 100%. there was one stage where i thought maybe or oh, he's on the break here but you know in fairness to him he hung in there and you know gave it everything yeah, 100%. Um, so, over the last week, there was some... We'll get to UFC 265 in a second, but there was some Irish uh, fighters fighting over the last week and uh, some some very good results for them as well. Uh, last week, we had, uh, just kind of after the podcast, Danny Nealon had a great performance and Ryan Spillane, unfortunately, lost going in there against uh, an Olympic um, uh, an Olympic uh, wrestler. Myself and Ian will talk more about that in the, in the chasing pack um and and irish mma in general but it's it's a very tough time recently for irish mma fighters getting fights and um you know just being able to get out there but uh, you know it's good to see danny neelan out and palahan as well had two fights on uh, on, on uh, sunday night i believe it was for combatches global and my skybox decided not to, to record it but i have it here my, my boy sean dinney um he gave me a report, so Pat came in and uh, he got taken down a couple of times, but he was the only one landing any shots and he got up every time. Almost caught in a darsh choke at one stage, or caught in a darsh choke, but not in danger. He stayed calm and got out. Um, he was better on the feet, almost got a rear naked choke, uh, rear naked choke and won that one uh, by decision. It was a one round fight, but it's you know down as a professional fight because it was a tournament and in the second fight um his opponent came out and tried a few takedowns passed stayed calm and got back up and he did a lot of damage from a triangle position with elbows um the, his opponents uh, had a bit of trouble and Pat finished it with ground and pound uh while the, his opponent was turtled up so two nights two wins for palahan he like if anyone saw him at that cage warriors event last year and saw the video that was kind of going viral that uh, Patrick Foreign, the legend
legend uh, took. You know how good Palahan is. So a really, really good uh, performance from him. And you know him and Danny Nyland and you know Ryan Spillane as well, even though unfortunately with a, with a loss of three. Very good people coming through. And uh, I have a lot of time for all of them and, and you know, like following along with, with their journeys. And, uh, you know, we've we've talked all of them, I suppose, in Severe and Megan, but I'm, I must uh, definitely get Danny back on soon, uh, as well as, as, as the rest of them. Ryan, or, uh, yeah, Ryan spoke to Ian last week and we've had Pan on, on too long ago as well. So it's great to see uh, kind of the next batch of Irish MMA fighters coming through who maybe have, you know, two to three to four fights now uh, as well. So, um, you know, Danny started off, I think she, she made her debut in Bellator as well. So that's in front of the tree arena and that's a big place to start off so it didn't get much bigger than that so it is uh it's all uh it's all good after that i think uh pressure wise and stuff so um good to see him back and obviously um artem lobov as well retired so during the week um looking forward to his next yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it look it's it's very hard for me to come on i'd love to come on and do like a, a half an hour podcast on artem and you know maybe we will at some st- uh, some stage and put it up on patreon if any of our 20 dollars subscribers want that um but it's very hard to believe retirements from anyone and you know just because we know artem and he's irish and stuff we can't say any different here because we said the same about everyone else and, and we will say that. i like I think Artem still has a lot to give, to be honest, and I think there's still some good fights out there. Even like Bellator and Artem seems like a match made in heaven, to be honest. Like there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that I think he could fight uh, around the, around the scene at one forty five and one fifty five. I could even see him fighting someone like a Patricky, you know, someone like that. And I know it'd be a very tough fight for him, but um, yeah, I, I think uh, imagine him versus you know Emmanuel Sanchez or anyone like that. T- tough fights, but Artem is always game, and he comes out to fight. And I think. Uh, Bellator could do worse than uh, than signing him. I know, didn't he fight Saul Rogers before? Maybe that'd be a rematch we could see or something like that. But if if this is it for Artem, and it you know probably isn't. Let's let's, let's be honest. But if this and I I don't want me to sound bad, but it's the same. We say the same for everyone, so we want to be consistent here. Um, what a career he's had in terms of like. He, uh, I suppose, uh, journeyman maybe a little bit unfair to anyone, and people hate to be called that. But he wasn't a guy with the best record. Maybe not a guy that people expected to get into such big fights, but he did. He got to the UFC and he did very well in the Ultimate Fighter. Obviously, after a, a, a shaky start, but got what was a three knockouts. Got a fucking main event against Cub Swanson. Beat fucking Polly Malinagi in a in a fist throwing matchup. What a, what a career for Artem! Brilliant, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, he he's a guy who was even when he was starting off his career was taking taking fights against experienced guys with good records. He didn't care what what weight it was. We talked about in the past, like uh, fighting at welterweight on days notice and things like that. And even in even in fights he lost, he was always you know in the fight, always causing problems, landing those big punches from the hips that he was famous for. And you know. Uh, I think the start of his pro career, he was kind of just, you know, winging it and he, he wasn't really dedicated to MMA. But once he kind of focused on MMA and started training full time, uh, you know, I think in that, you know, that Cub Swanson fight that you mentioned there, he kind of, he, he kind of, sh- even though he lost that fight, he showed himself to be like, you know, not a laughing, not a joke. Like some people were kind of laughing at him. Oh, look at his record. He's only there because he's McGregor's mate or whatever. But I think he kind of proved himself uh, throughout his career. And I think when, on Reddit and stuff, you know, people would laugh at him. I think when he posted, uh, or when he said about retirement, there was a thread posted there, and people were kind of, you know, sad to see him go and thinking, oh no, he can still, he can still do it, you know. <laughs> so he kind of, he kind of won, he won everybody over in the end with his style and his kind of willingness to just fight whoever and 
you know, whatever type of sport and, you know, fist fighting or bare knuckle fist fighting and boxing world champion Paul Maldonado, Paulie Maldonado and beating him and all. Like you can't, you, <laughs> Paulie you, Maldonado, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> whatever, Polly, Polly Maldonado. Polly Mals, Polly Slips. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, whatever his name is, yeah. Polly. <laughs> Malanagi. I don't know, Almost. however you say his name. Polly Malanagi. Uh, there you go. Yeah, great, great. So, yeah, obviously, uh, that was, uh, you know, a, uh, a big bout in his career. And it would probably be like, you know, the what he ends up being remembered for in combat sport more than anything. Yeah, and that's class too, isn't it? Like sometimes, even you know, people are always giving up. Like to he's a perfect guy. Like you know, yeah. in, in in an actual fist fight, Artem would be like you know, yeah, you know, he'd be the man. <laughs> one of the guys you wouldn't want to go for. Yeah. And he kind of he kind of showed that. I'd say he'd be show. biting ears and all that. He'd hit your heart up. But uh, yeah, it, but it's nice. Like even like uh, a DC when he won the heavyweight title, you couldn't help but smile just because he kind of got out of that shadow of John Jones for a bit. Even when he won the light heavyweight title, that shadow was always there but it wasn't and I think when Artem beat um, beat Pauly there was like oh shit you know he got out of like the only there because he's Connor's fringe shadow and I think he had done that a lot for a lot of people also included before but for a lot of people he hadn't but when he beat Pauly I think a lot of people were like and even if they didn't say it or didn't think it directly I think maybe subconsciously even they're like look fucking fair play to him and the MMA community loves nothing more than showing up the boxing community <laughs> so when Art, Artem was like he was he did that for everyone he did that for all of us you know <laughs> so um, fair play to him and uh, I, I agree I do think that's what uh, if you're to look through Artem Labo's record and his fight record you know and if you get past the whole Conor McGregor friend stuff I think that's what he will be remembered for, and I think that's what people should remember him for because that was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So, um, fair fair play to Artem. Uh, you know he he uh he's a great guy. Fair play to him. God bless. Uh, right. Let's uh look ahead as I talk to death. <coughs> let's look ahead to UFC two hundred and fifty six next week. Uh, obviously there's a big uh problem this week because Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena fell off of this card because Nunes tested positive for 65 not 56 yeah I'm a bit I'm not great with numbers not great with numbers but Amanda Nunes Pena fell off because of COVID and suddenly the card just doesn't look as good one fight falling off but it's still you know it's still a good card don't get me wrong uh, at all here um I, on the undercard, you have some, you know, good fighter like Johnny Munoz Jr. He's ten and one. Um, you have Miles Johns, who we obviously we've seen coming through this side of the world and fighting over in America even before he got to the UFC as well. Manel Cape is a very good fighter. I think Kovalkevich versus Pinya or Pinay, um, is not a bad fight at all. Ed Herman back again. Uh, Draco Rodriguez. Fizev yeah. is very good. I think he's one of the best up and comers in the world. Him versus Bobby Green. It's a good test, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, Bobby Green obviously is, isn't uh, isn't you know uh, a world beater or anything, but he's a he's a tough guy and he's 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 always game. And I think I think he's going to get run over here. <laughs> but uh, Ooh, but uh, you know, I think I think the game's moved on a bit. You know, I think maybe the, the antics that he trying to throw at people will kind of put them off these days. But people are kind of well used to that now. Like they're expecting that it. it's it's not really. You know, when you're getting punched in the face and talking trash, it's not really working. You have to be, you have to be doing the, doing the impacting to for it to really work. Yeah. And I think it's 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 not going to work here because he's not going to be able to 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 land the punch. He's not going to be able to get the positions. I think, 
I think he's going to get pretty much ran over here. Mm-hmm. I do as well. I think Fiziev is really, really good. And you know, Song Yedong as well on this card against Casey Kenny, uh, Angela Hilligan's Tisha Torres. Actually, we will talk more about Cage Warriors as well in an upcoming. I haven't been able to see it yet. I only got home. But I think she was doing the commentary on Cage Warriors over in uh, the US um, during the week. So we will definitely talk about that in an upcoming podcast as well. But her versus Tisha Torres is very, very good. Uh, someone as well asked about Vicente Luca versus uh, Michael Chiesa. We'll answer a few questions towards the end of the podcast as well. But that's a big fight in that division. You know, Chiesa's right up there towards the top of that division. Vicente Luca has had some good wins uh, recently. And, you know, when you look at that and you think about, okay, Colby is getting the next title shot, it looks like. And I think that's been, you know, two, what is it, two, five, seven or, or two, two, six, seven or something like that. Maybe one of those. Um, uh, you know, an MMA I asks here about does that fight make the winner the next title challenger or does the welterweight congestion continue at the top? It's tough to know because like Gilbert Burns beat Wonderboy and I think that kind of took away one contender in Wonderboy and Gilbert Burns will have to do a little bit more to get back there. But now the Masvidal thing is gone uh, as well. You know, if Akiza wins this, I think especially, I think he'll be right there or thereabouts. I think Luke might have to do a little bit more just because I think Kiesa's kind of has the in maybe a little bit with the UFC and things like that. And of course, you know, you still have Leon Edwards there, which we uh, which we can't forget. But maybe you could see Leon Edwards fighting the winner of this to get a title shot. And if if there's a quick winner here, maybe you could have a quick turnaround and get on one of the upcoming cards. But um, yeah, I think a big win here and a standout win could get one of them uh, up towards uh, a title shot. So that's a big fight and also at 135 pounds Pedro Munoz versus Jose Aldo Jr one of the greatest fighters to ever step inside the UFC's octagon uh, even though the last few years have maybe been the, the best ever but uh, I think he'll have enough to be Pedro Munoz and I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing that one um, but Derek Lewis versus Seattle Gagne for the interim UFC heavyweight championship of the world with Francis Ngannou taking two days off. He, you know, they had to make an interim title for, for this one. Uh, but either way, it's all fairy tales. Who cares about that? It's the fight itself yeah, I care about. fight for Francis when he comes back, you know, unifying yeah. the undisputed champion. So he, he, he probably doesn't care too much. Yeah, and as well, they can like keep John Jones out of the mix because of this. <laughs> oh, we have to make champion versus champion. You know, so it's a win-win for the, for the UFC, really. But... Look, I think Cyril Gagne is going to win this fight easily, to be honest. Now, Derek Lewis has improved an awful lot over the years, and I give him great credit. I think we've both given him great credit uh, over the last while because, uh, you know, I was I, I was very low on Derek Lewis as a fighter, to be honest. I, I thought he was effective and very good at what he did, but I didn't think he was a very good MMA fighter all around. But now I do. I think he is good. I think he's improved well, in he all was, positions. He, he was losing, like, you know, 90% of his, his t- time in the cage before yeah, winning so like what we'd seen you know was kind of was uh, using his big power to turn it around at the last second or or in the moment and you know winning the fight then and me and you spoke about him kind of losing weight and stuff like that and maybe it wouldn't be the best idea but i think you know he doesn't seem to have the, the back problems that he used today they were obviously must have been worse than we kind of you know gave credit for everybody would kind of you know roll their eyes or laugh when he'd kind of stand with his hands on his back or his hands on his knees and kind of complain when the fight wasn't going his way. But, you know, since 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 that's been cleared up, he, he does look like he's had a, a new lease on life and he looks at a different fighter and maybe he doesn't have the, the same type of power that he used to, but he still has enough power to put anybody in the division out if, if you know, given the chance. So, 
Uh, obviously, Cyril Gann will have to be careful here, uh, as he as he will. Uh, any of the top guys in in the heavyweight division can hit very hard and put you out very quickly. But I think you know he probably you know will outclass Lewis here and uh, wear him down, either win a decision or get a late finish. Mm-hmm. I I think. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with everything you said there. Like, I think Jairzinho Rosenstruck fight was a good, like, preparation fight for the Derek Lewis, even though they're very different sort of fighters, but they are, like, trying to hit you with one big punch. I think Lewis will do it in different, more unorthodox and, you know, more dangerous ways in, in, a, uh, in, a, in a lot of senses of that word. Um, but I just think Gagne will be too classy for him. Now, like, Lewis, we say it a lot, and maybe maybe we're wrong again, but maybe I'm wrong. Um I think maybe going back a little bit to the very much looking for that one big shot might be the way go, to go here. He's been doing that with maybe a little bit more um, belief in his cardio recently and where he can do other things as well. But I think maybe letting Cyril Gagne run around and not necessarily tire himself out because Cyril has great, great uh, uh, cardio and can keep going for five rounds. But if I'm Derek Lewis here, I'm well, I'm probably not taking the fight because I don't want to get punched off Cyril Gagne or anyone. But if I'm as brave as Derek Lewis, I'm probably going in here and waiting him out, waiting him. Let Look, Derek Lewis and everyone else probably knows that if this goes to the decision, Cyril Gagne is winning it. So you might as well wait. You just wait that full 25 minutes to get your opportunity. And if it comes at one second or it comes at 40 or 24 minutes and fucking 59 seconds, all well and good. A win is a win in neither position. So I think it could be... I, I, like, I don't think this is going to be a barn burner at all, by any means. I think this is going to be very much uh, a cat and mouse one with Cyril Gagne kicking from the outside, jabbing from the outside... Uh, and I think more than likely it will go 25 minutes and more than likely Ganya will win the decision. Uh, but it's it's not, I don't think it's going to be a great fight. But I, I like it. I'll enjoy it. And it'll be, do you know it'll be? It'll be one of those kind of uh, Wonder Boy versus um, uh, Tyron Woodley sort of fights um, in a heavyweight version of it, maybe with people, maybe people not as technically good or not as classy uh, in, in Derek Lewis's case, comparing him to Woodley. But one of those where it's, you're just waiting, waiting, waiting for one person to hit while the other one is winning the fight, you know? So it's, uh, it's, the, old, um, it's the old decision versus knockout and who's going to win it. I think uh, I think Cyril Gagne will, but uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it should be a lot of fun. Um, right. Before we go, we, we will take those couple of questions, but also there's a, a very, very good uh, card next week. It is Clan Wars 41 above in Northern Ireland on the 8th of the 8th. If Topology's uh, thing has a right, myself and Ian talk a bit about this a good bit on the Chasing Pack coming up on Patreon this week. But uh, Ali McLean versus Henry Fidipe, a long time since Henry Fidipe. Uh, has been around the Irish MMA scene, but Catherine Costigan on that card as well against uh, Haley Valentine, Ryan Curtis making his comeback against uh, Tom Creasy, and a lot of other talent as well. Alexander O'Sullivan versus Tiernan Lochran. Uh, very, very, very good fight there. Alexander O'Sullivan has nearly 30 amateur fights, so lots of good people on that card. Emil uh, Pitak as well, who against Simon uh, Solomon Simon, a card to topology. That's a fantastic fight. Two of them, probably two of Ireland's most are, well, Pitak, I think he he fought for Poland out in the uh, the IMAFs there for a while, didn't he? But um, two two of the probably the most uh, accomplished amateurs, uh, Trevor McKingo as well against Jordan O'Neill. There's lots and lots of good amateur names and professional fights as well on this. So if you're around the Belfast area or traveling up uh, to this, uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a very good card. It's a good card, Graham, isn't it? Some fun names there. Yeah, it is. 
you know, Felipe, <laughs> he's never he's never shied away. He's what is he like four years out of the sport, and he, he comes in against Ali McLean. Uh, you know, no easy fights. He, he's been everywhere. His nine nine and one record might not might not look uh, that outstanding, but he's one of those guys with a lot of talent. Maybe hasn't put in the work over the years, or hasn't hasn't dedicated himself to the sport, but is is kind of. Uh, Dangerous everywhere, uh, and on his day is 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 a, is a very entertaining fighter as well. Obviously, you mentioned Catherine Costigan coming in here and making her uh, fighting somebody making her debut. So we obviously don't know much about uh, Haley Valentine. Obviously, great to see Ryan Curtis back. He's had a lot of problems uh, with injuries and things like that. Um, you know, obviously a lot of other things have stopped the kind of progress of the Irish MMA guys. Uh, coronavirus, the Joe Carvalho death, all the trying to get regulated, all the the extra expenses trying to put on shows here and all that kind of stuff. So it's great to have Clan Wars back and have a, you know, a, a good card here with loads of Irish guys that uh, people making their debut, established amateurs, a uh, couple of pros, you know, a few pro fights on the main card. It's good to be back to somewhat normality from back when, what, five years ago when, when this was uh, the norm, this was on every <laughs> yeah. week or two. Yeah, and we, hopefully once uh, you know the Republic gets back to normal as well, hopefully soon we will have uh, Cage uh, Legacy back and maybe Cage Warriors and Bellator and the UFC and all as well. And you know some of the these shows are as important as those shows. Like you don't get to the UFC or or to Bellator or any of those without well Bellator maybe because they've signed people no no, but you don't get to the UFC certainly uh, without shows like this. So it's it's absolutely fantastic and fair play to the people uh, putting on this and, and good luck to everyone. Uh, on the card as well right let's answer a few of these questions um we honk on the head says where's the best sandwich joint in west cork i don't know if i i don't know if i've ever even been in west cork grab any idea somewhere find us a- <laughs> oh, west cork i don't know i don't, I don't think i've been to west cork so I, i've heard a lot about west cork with the sophie tuscan the plant oh, stuff yeah. but uh uh i don't know if, i don't think you have many options down there i think you just gotta it's probably the salmon shop that you have to go to yeah do you know i, I went to college uh, i went to college with ian bailey do you know that really when yeah. he was doing law was it yeah when he was doing law yeah and he was in like uh, with a, he was uh, in a with a oh, friend of friend a friend is, is he? No, no he was he was in the same <laughs> law class as a friend of a friend and he was always take the side of like the person who has like done the crime or whatever and like argue from that side so i'm like oh how are you? How are they? It was weird though seeing him like walking around all the time with his big trench coat and everyone knew who he was. It's like, oh, there's Ian Bailey. Look at him. Well, you see him like uh, daily, like in, when I was in Cork. So there you go. There's my, there's my terrible claim to fame there. Oh, you're, for, you've seen in a suspe- suspected murderer thousands of times. Guilty, well, so, uh, <laughs> being a personal friend, uh, can you give your opinion on guilty know. or not guilty? I haven't, I haven't watched uh, Netflix or, or the Sky documentaries yet, so I will watch them, but uh, I haven't watched them yet. I, I, I know very oh, little about one is a lot of, uh, Netflix one isn't great, but the, okay. the Sky one is pretty good. Okay, I'll watch that, so I'll, I'll get back to you and I know. Uh, Jur MMA fan says, you left out Artem Labov out of the durable fighters discussion last week. Went to distance with Ryan Hall, Cub Swanson, Andre Feely, Michael Johnson, to name a few. Uh, Johnson KO'd Poirier in one, and yet Artem ate the shots. Johnson is the number one contender. Or Artem is the number one contender. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Artem definitely durable. You couldn't say Artem wasn't durable 100%, so that's very fair. Um, Ryan, or Darren Riding, should split decisions result um, in a split win bonus? Something like 70-30 in favour no. of the winner? No, I don't think so. Like, split decisions... Are if one judge makes a mistake and the other two get it right, not normally. Like sometimes fights are very close, but it's just a majority of who won. It's not, you know, I don't know. It's a tough one. 
It is a tough one, but no, I don't think you can do that. Uh, should you remove the current bonus system from Graham Crawford uh, and replace it with 20,000 flat bonus for TKO Chaos submission win? Uh, it should be more, but don't see the UFC doing that. Yeah, we've talked about that before recently enough on, on one of the podcasts. Um, I would like to see that, I suppose, so everyone gets paid more, but like... The UFC do it for a reason. They do it. I think you can probably convince Dana to go for it. Maybe not twenty grand, but maybe an extra ten grand, for example, uh, for a finish. You know, because you know Dana. Dana loves a finish. You you could you could put on a masterclass dominant dominant technique performance, uh, technical performance, and Dana would be like, ah, he didn't try to finish the fight. You know, you you, so you, you can maybe talk Dana into it, but you know, I think the. You know the oh, 50 grand bonus sounds better to like the media and to the fans and stuff as well than oh you yeah. got 10 grand and i think the fighters are probably like not wanted either i think because now that's maybe says more about the fighters than, than anything else but i think they like those well, 50 the low level bonuses. the entry level entry level oh, fighters probably take the 10 grand no problem but, so? uh, i don't know i think they'd rather like try to get a big knockout or a fight at night and go for the 50. you know the five opportunities to get that 50 a couple of times you know yeah it's, it's true it depends yeah yeah it's true it's true but yeah we'll see um jake says would you like to see misha against holly Holm, or should she go into the title picture already do you know what with misha then i was thinking about this more be better off maybe giving her an easier start to match up and then giving her maybe a title shot now it might be the best for misha tate but for the ufc there aren't that many title contenders there for amanda nunes um and say if she got one on or a fight on a similar sort of date to Nunes versus Pena now, which is looks like it's going to be the next pay per view card. So, what well, that's only four weeks away, so maybe that's a bit close. But if she does get a fight and wins another one, I could see them pushing her in there. But her versus Holly Holm is, is a fight I'd also like to watch, but I think Holly would probably have too much for her. Um, nowadays, but you know, it's a rematch, well, I think it's a mm-hmm. it's kind of win win for the UFC if they do make the Tate versus Holly Holm match. Because, you know, Holly is very well known, obviously, for that uh, head kick knockout, winning the title against uh, Ronda Rousey. So people people will remember that. You know, people who dip in and out of MMA will know who Holly Holm is. And uh, if she goes in there against Amanda Nunes again, like, I don't think I don't think anybody's going to be complaining. And the UFC will be happy enough with that. And obviously, if Misha Tate goes in and beats Holly Holm, you can you can really sell that as well. So I think if you make that matchup, either either whoever wins is a, is a exciting sellable matchup for Nunes. Yeah, and last one here from Ashley Schaefer. If you want to buy a BMW, go to him. Uh, where does AJ McKee rank pound for pound? I think he must be up there. You know, if you think about it, like a lot of people, John Jones hasn't fought in fucking five years. Habib is gone. Uh, and there aren't that many like dominant champions in the UFC at the moment either. Pitbull was the one in Bellator. You know, you'd have to put him. You'd have to put him right up there. And I'm just pulling up the UFC pound for pound rankings uh, now. And top of it is John Jones, but how's he's in there? Usman definitely number one. Like Adesanya. Another one. You know, Volkanovski's an extremely underrated fighter. You know, if you put him in there against AJ McGee, that'd be a that'd be a really interesting fight. Like, I, think, I think. Vol- I think Volkanovski would win it. Do yeah, that's interesting. Now, it's some people are one all one. You know, Holloway versus him, and I think that's because Holloway's American and stuff, and you always have that. But yeah, I, I would nearly rather see Volkanovski versus Mickey. That I'd rather see. I'd love to see both of them. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I, like I think Adesanya. I think Mickey is a better all round fighter than Adesanya. Adesanya is way, way, way too high on that list as well. By the way, that's ridiculous how high he is, but um. Yeah, I will, I will put McKee up there. You know, Poria, Blahovic, Miocic, Holloway are all there in that pound-for-pound list in the UFCs. I think he belongs with them, to be honest. I think he's uh, I think he's that good. But, um, yeah, 
Let's, uh, let's like a few more, like, you know, big, big wins. Yeah, like, obviously, that's true. a huge win that you had at the weekend, but you'd like mm. a few more of them before you kind of, you know, start Colonies picking them over Volkanovski. But, like, sure. I'd love to see the fight, and it would be, a, it'd be you know, it could go either way. I'd love, to, uh, like, I don't know how it would look. Uh, uh, with AJ McKee, I'm very interested to see, you know, even though he's the champion now, I still feel like his journey is kind of still going, and he still hasn't, mm-hmm. he still hasn't reached his peak. So, I'm, I'm like, you know, exciting times ahead. Yeah, indeed, 100%. Uh, All right, everyone, thanks very much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, If you haven't signed up on Patreon yet, it's the start of the month. Now is definitely the time, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Sean Sheehan BA. Follow Graham at Severe MMA. Follow at Severe MMA pod as well, where you can get all your questions and everything during the week. Um, as well, subscribe on YouTube. We put this podcast up on YouTube now. It's painstaking, annoying work for me. So hit the subscribe button there. Hit the subscribe button on SoundCloud. We're almost at a million people who have listened to Severe MMA podcast. So we're very, very close to that. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. We really appreciate it. Uh, or wherever you are, iTunes, Spotify, we're up in all of those places. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, and uh, leave a rating and review of all that. We don't really ask very often, so if you do it, it'd be absolutely fantastic. And if you're signed up for Patreon, don't bother with any of that, because we love you way more already, so fair play to you. Right, everyone, thanks very much for listening. All that's left to do is the inspirational quote of the week. Nothing can dim the light which shines from within. We'll see you next Tuesday, or probably Sunday.